This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you and welcome to the show. We start tonight's action by going back to 1950, a time when sci-fi radio was really beginning to be enjoyed by radio audiences everywhere in North America. Enthusiasts of American radio drama usually place the form's golden age as beginning in the 1920s and ending almost at the stroke of television's mass adoption in the 1950s. NBC's Dimension X, which ran in 1950 and 51, came somewhat late to the game, but it did more than its part to give old-time radio a strong last decade. Dimension X made its mark by adapting short stories by acknowledged masters of the craft, Isaac Asimov, Ray Bradbury, and Robert Heinlein, to mention a few. Tonight we hear the episode, Martian Embassy. Adventures in Time and Space, told in future tense. Dimension Out of the infinitude of stars and planets in the solar system and other systems in the universe... It is almost mathematically certain that there exist other forms of life on other worlds. Someday in the future, in a thousand years, or in the next ten minutes, daring travelers through space will make contact with the inhabitants of another world. But the question is, will we contact them first or will they contact us? Come in. Roderick's private detective agency. Check. My name is Graffius. Graffius of Springfield. I would like to see you, Mr. Broderick. Check. What is it, Dolan? There's a guy outside. A kind of a guy? Oh, a great big guy with a big shining head and thick glasses like the bottoms of Coca-Cola bottles. A- and he looks like a professor or what something. What I mean is, does he look like a client or a bill collector? He didn't say. Okay, Iron Man. Send him in. Check. Mr. Graffius, Mr. Broderick will see you. Thank you. Mr. Broderick. In the flesh. Okay, Iron Man, step outside. Check. If you need me, I'll be outside. I'll have to excuse Mr. Dolan. He's a very useful man if you happen to want a house moved or somebody's head unscrewed from their shoulders. His reflexes aren't too good. Hmm. He's what you might call underorganized. I suspected as much. All right, Mr. Graffius. Let's get down to business. Precisely. I would like your assistance in helping me locate something here in New York City. Just what are you trying to locate, Mr. Graffius? The Martian Embassy. Would you say that again very slowly? I came to New York to locate the Martian Embassy. Martian? 
Like in Buck Rogers? Precisely. Agents of the government of the planet of Mars. Dolan! What's the trouble, boss? Come out, he's a crackpot. Of course, if you wish me to leave, I will leave. But before I go, you might examine this. You'll find it quite authentic. Holy mackerel. A five-century note. Let me see that. Uh, sit down, Mr. Graffia. Sit down. Make yourself comfortable. Dolan, get Mr. Graffia's a light. Check. Okay, Mr. Graffius. Your remarks about our speckled friends, the Martians, I shall ignore. This being the year 1955, I assume you were joking. On the contrary, I'm completely serious. As it happens, I'm interested only in Martians at the moment. I see. <clears throat> okay, uh, shoot. It occurred to me in the course of my studies that we Earth people cannot possibly be the only intelligent form of life in the universe. Out of the infinitude of stars and planets... There must definitely, mathematically, be others. Since Mars is older geologically, and since it is also an atmospheric planet, its evolutionary history could easily be similar to ours, you follow me? So far, I can't say no. But if this is true, then they must have been watching us, observing us, for hundreds, possibly thousands of years. What for, blackmail? Shut up, Dolan. They know, then, that we are not far from achieving space travel. Atomic rocket ships that can travel to other planets. They also know we're a militaristic, warlike race. We might conceivably set out to conquer and occupy Mars one day. In which case, they'd uh, try to get the jump on it. Uh, precisely, Mr. Rodriguez. And how would they do that? For a civilization as old as theirs, space travel would be a simple enough matter. Flying saucers. I read about Relax, it. Relax, Iron Man. Go on, Mr. Graffius. If you were planning to attack an unknown nation, what would be your first move, Mr. Broderick? Intelligence. Find out what the odds are. You have a very logical mind, sir. You would send agents to scout the nerve centers of earthly civilization and advancement. Not in Kansas City or equatorial Africa, my dear sir, but here in New York City. The most technically advanced spot on Earth. Uh-huh. And, uh... You want me to help you prove this theory of yours? Precisely. Expense does not interest me. Well, this may take a very long, long time, Mr. Graffius. After all, nobody's ever seen a Martian. I assure you, they will be very ordinary-appearing people. Very likely they live together in downtown New York, close to the newspapers and publishers, the news cables, communication centers, and the financial center of Wall Street. Most certainly, they live in a private house with no servants to pry into their affairs. Some ordinary people who live in a private house in downtown New York. I might just as well look up Martians in the classified section of the phone book. <laughs> there is one other lead which might help you. What's that? They would be almost certain to subscribe to every conceivable type of newspaper, scientific journal, foreign language publication. Mm-hmm. Well, that might be something. Okay, Mr. Graffius. It's a deal. Excellent. I shall contact you tomorrow. Oh, uh, before you leave. Yes? Just as a matter of interest. Why are you so interested in meeting up with these Martians? Mr. Broderick, I wish to avert the catastrophe of a successful Martian invasion of the Earth. Naturally. I cannot go to the police or the military. I'd be laughed out of existence. So I'm doing this privately. You seem to know all the answers, Mr. Graffius. Not all of them, Mr. Broderick. Not quite all the answers. Not quite yet. 
Here's a private address. Takes everything from Pick Magazine to the Manchester Guardian. Listen to this. Pick, look, Scientific America, the Daily News, the Daily Worker, the Police Gazette, the Journal of Engineering, Scientific Quarterly, American Psychiatric Journal. Let me see that. Oh, Dolan. Dolan, sometimes I wonder. What's the address on this? 9 West 124th Street. Which happens to be the Harlem branch of the public library. Oh. Now listen, Noodle Brain. Check all the renting agents. Find out every private house in downtown New York. And then cross-check with the magazine subscription departments of the scientific magazines. You got that? Check. I wonder. Boss, what's the sense of all this? We know there ain't no Martian embassy in New York. This crackpot is paying us $100 a day and we got to keep him happy. Understand? Yeah. Also, I've got a hunch that Mr. Graffius isn't looking for any Martian embassies. He's looking for something quite different. I'll start making with a telephone. Which house is it, Dolan? Right down there. Number 108. Did you find out anything? Not a thing. I've been watching the place for a week now. Nobody comes out, nobody goes in. I asked around, nobody knows nothing. You ain't been blabbing around the neighborhood that we're looking for the Martian embassy, have you? Boss, uh, I'm stupid, but I ain't that stupid. Who'd you talk to? I struck up what you might call a casual acquaintanceship with those two girls standing with the baby carriages up the street. The cute one is real cute. Mm. Now look, Doolin, don't try to do anything intelligent. Just keep walking up and down. See? Check. I'm going back to the office to meet Graffius. See you later, boss. Hiya, beautiful. Hiya, Flatfoot. How did you know I was a detective? Your socks are bagging at the arches. <laughs> <laughs> well, stick around, beautiful. I'll be back in a few minutes. And we can make some beautiful music together. <laughs> Listen to Romeo, Helen. The name is Doolin, honey. Iron Man Dolan. Your line is getting rusty, Iron Man. What do you want to fool around with him for? He reminds me of my husband. The big, good-natured slug. Helen. Helen, look. Oh, hey, Dolan! Dolan, look out! Look out! <laughs> Helen? Yes, sir. Sure, sure. Uh, Doolin found a house down in Greenwich Village. Privately rented. Number 108 Conklin Street. Nobody seems to know anything about who lives there. Except that they subscribe to every paper and scientific journal put out. And also they have a peculiar antenna on the roof. You don't suppose your Mr. Doolin will try to get inside the house? No, he knows better. Mr. Broderick, I assure you, if that place is the Martian embassy... Doolin can take care of himself. Still, I wish you had informed me before. Well, that's probably him reporting back now. Excuse me. Hello? Yeah, speaking. Dolan? Yeah, he works. What? Oh, no. No, I can't think of any. Yeah, sure, okay. Yeah, I'll be right down. Okay, Lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, right away. Something the matter? Dolan is dead, Mr. Graffius. What? They found him splattered all over the sidewalk in front of number 108 Conklin Street. <laughs> How did it happen? There were some witnesses. They said a building cornice dropped on him. A cornice? But how? It fell off the building next to 108. 
Right on top of him. Come on, we can get a cab. I have to identify the body. I'm Broderick. Oh, well, there's your boy, Broderick. Not very pretty. Oh, mother in heaven. That's a thousand-pound hunk of concrete. Where did it come from? Dropped off the roof of 106. Anybody see it? Yes, a couple of maids pushing baby carriages. One was so shaken, we had to send her to the hospital. The other one is hysterical, but she can talk. Can't seem to get any sense out of her, though. Do you mind if I talk to her? Not at all. I'll be back in a minute, Graffius. I'll wait here. She's standing right over there with the patrolman on the beat. Uh, oh, Hanson. Yes, sir? This guy wants a few questions with a girl. Please. Please, I told you what I saw. How many times I got to tell you? Yes, the dead man was a personal friend of mine. Would you tell me what happened, please? <laughs> Helen and I were standing in front of Rathman's candy store up on the corner. We both had the babies up. I worked for Mrs. Gillian on Washington Square North. This, He, he said hello and joked a little. And he walked down the street just like he'd been doing all week. Hadn't taken more than a few steps. What? Please, miss. Oh, it's I, very important. I tell him, but they don't believe me. What do you tell him? How it happened. Tell me. It's too awful. Please. Well, well first he squashed. And then the stone fell on him. What do you mean, he squashed? They don't believe me, but Helen saw it, too. She saw what? Sorry, Broderick. Please, please let me alone. Let me go home. I told you what I saw. Now let me alone. Let me alone. Did you learn anything, Mr. Broderick? Huh? I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It's crazy. Mr. Broderick, if I may make a suggestion at this point, perhaps it would be better if we drop the entire matter. What's eating you? First you come at me with a chain of nonsense that you're staking real cash on... And now when we hit the solid trail, you want to call off the dogs. Well, maybe you operate that way, but Broderick doesn't. May I ask, then, what do you intend doing? As soon as the cops clear out and this place quiets down, I'm going to pay a personal call on the Martian embassy. Whatever number 108 is. Excuse me, ma'am. Is the lady of the house at home? I'm the lady of the house. Well, uh, my name is Broderick. Uh, I represent the Manhattan Child Adoption Center. We're soliciting funds and clothing for stranded and unadopted children. I wondered oh, if... Oh, won't you come inside? Well, we don't usually... Oh, nonsense. I'm old enough to be your grandmother. Besides, my son, Lauren, is working at home. Your son? He's a bibliographer. He writes summaries of articles and books from scientific journals and publications for libraries and universities. I see. Well, sit down, Mr. Broderick. We get so few calls, and I do like to visit. Oh, thank you. <sighs> now, what was it you wanted to talk to us about? Oh, well, uh, I, uh, I wondered if you or your son, there's nobody else living here. 
No, just Lauren and I. I'll have to ask him about the contribution, but I'm sure he'd like to. Good. Uh, thank you very much. I'll send the representative to collect. Oh, please, stay a moment. I was just about to have tea. Let me pour you a cup. Oh, no, thanks, really. Uh... No, young man, I insist. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm getting awfully tired of having tea by myself every afternoon. You know, I'm not very much of a tea drinker, but this seems to have a... Strange taste. It's my own recipe. The secret is in the brewing. That's sweet. It almost metallic. It takes a few sips to get used to, like olives. Uh-huh. Well, uh, I think I'd better be running along. Oh, but you haven't finished your tea, Mr. Broderick. I'd better be going. I'm late. Oh, you're not being very polite. Do finish your tea. No, really, I... You're funny. Oh, I'll call Laurie. No, no, I'm leaving. You're... Oh, I'm sure Lauren can help you. I'll call him. Oh, no, no, oh, But I must, besides, you aren't well. Please. Lauren! Lauren! Lauren, hurry! Got us out of my way. No, you must stay. Yes, Truck my teeth. Let go my arm. Lauren! Let go! Oh. Get out of here! What happened? The other one. That Broderick, he was here. I drugged his teeth. He got away. Fool, idiot. Go after him. Use the pressure ray. Risk another murder on our doorstep. Are you insane? But he suspects. We'll have to take our chances. We'll have to think of some other way. How did they find us? I don't know how, but I'm certain someone else sent them. Who? I don't know. I'm afraid to let myself think. It might be them. Please, I... Get away from Rabbits and mice, but you're the first one who's got marks. That's true, I tell you. Uh-huh. Come along. Now, listen, listen. Don't oh. take me back there. Don't Come kill on. me. Look, I gotta make you understand. Yeah, yeah. I'll help Look, you up the steps. Please, my name is Broderick. I'm a private dick. We'll find out about this. Here, yeah. don't try it. <laughs> Officer, please listen. I'll give you anything. I'll give you a thousand dollars. Please listen. For God's sake, listen. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> what? Broderick. You know this lush granny? Why, that's my son, Broderick. No, no. Martin. He's a pretty bad kid. Never get him to bed. Oh, dear. He was doing so well at the Alcoholic Society. He must have gotten off again. Looks like he's ready to pass out. Lauren! Lauren! What is it, Mother? Oh. Your brother, Broderick, has been drinking again. Look out, he's passed out. I'll take care of him, officer. We've handled this sort of thing before. Can you manage okay? We'll be fine, thank you. You've been very kind, officer. Oh, nothing at all, Granny. I know how it is with these alkies. Well, I'll be seeing you. Marshal Embassy. 
Uh, Mr. Broderick is regaining consciousness, what? Mother. What happened? Oh, I can't get up. Do not struggle, Mr. Broderick. It'll be impossible for you to rise from that chair. The pressure from this ray will keep you there. Ray? What? Who are you? You've already guessed, Mr. Broderick. You mean this really is the... Martian Embassy, yes. You have the honor to be the first prisoner of the Imperial Government of Mars. First prisoner? Yes. After the invasion, of course, you will all be our prisoners. Hey, look. What sort of a business is this? No business, Mr. Broderick, as your people will soon find out. Our preparations for invasion are nearly completed now. As soon as we give the signal, our armed forces will launch a surprise attack. And then the Earth will be ours. You're crazy. Not half as mad as you, Mr. Broderick, to come muddling so foolishly into our affairs. That was a fatal mistake. So, Tulin's death was no accident, then? Assuredly not. We found it necessary to use a pressure ray on your friend. The block of concrete was an afterthought. We thought it might help to avert suspicion. All right. What happens now? If you cooperate, you can look forward to a quick, painless death like your friend, Mr. Doolan. If not? This pressure ray has many delicate adjustments. It can move a pin, or it can crush a boulder. Let me demonstrate. <laughs> you see, Mr. Broderick... As if an invisible vice were crushing you. What do you want? The name of your client. We are interested in knowing who is so anxious to locate the Martian embassy. The names of my clients are confidential. <laughs> oh, well. All right, all right. All... Turn it off, Mother. Mr. Broderick uh, has seen the wisdom of speech. His name is Graphius. Graphius? Yes. Yeah. An unusual name for an Earthman. Describe him. Well, I don't know if I really can. Mother. Describe him. He's tall. He's got a big forehead. And about 60. He wears thick glasses. He's bald. Lauren, sounds like one of them. Yes, it does. Contact the planet. Tell them we suspect that our plans are known. Ask for an acceleration of invasion day. At once. What about me? I am sorry, Mr. Broderick, but I am afraid you know too much now. In exactly five seconds, you will feel the full impact of the ray which faces you. I would suggest that you relax and meet your fate calmly. Now, wait a minute. You will feel no pain, just a wall of force engulfing oh, you. listen, I... Five. No, you can't go this. Four. It isn't human. I know, but we are not human. Three. Yeah, but... Two. No. One. Other in heaven. Now. Sorry. It didn't work. Something's happened. The magnetic field is dead. Get it working. We've got to get rid of this one. Now listen. Listen, you guys. I can't understand what's gone wrong with the ray. Why would it suddenly stop like that? Perhaps I can explain. What? Graphis. It's you. Yes. Laurie. Stand back from the pressure ray, please. It will not function anyway. I have decontrolled your field. Lauren, it's one of them. They found us. Did you think we wouldn't? I trust you have not harmed my friend, Mr. Broderick. He's been very useful to me. Brother, am I very glad to see you... Talk about the Marines landing in the nick of time. You're free to move now, Mr. Broderick. I don't know how you got in here, Crafius, but stick around. These babies are really Martian, just like you said. They're planning to invade the Earth and take over. There will be no Martian invasion. You keep these characters covered, I'll get the police. There will be no need for the police. I intend to handle them myself. But the police will... Do not call the police. Why not? You fool of an Earthling. Don't you realize with whom you are dealing? The invasion of Earth by Mars will be like child's play compared... <laughs> Lauren! Holy mackerel. They just 
flattened out. Like your friend, Mr. Doolan. I detest the use of violence where the intellect can rule. But unfortunately, the Martians are a threat to us. It must be destroyed. I believe you now. Another five seconds, they'd have finished me. I'm glad you didn't waste any time. There is little time to waste. The Martian invasion was to have taken place next week. Yeah, I... Hey. They never said that. How do you know? You would not comprehend. Wait a minute. There are some things here I do understand. A second ago, that pressure ray didn't work. Now you're using it like it was a toy. How did you get in here, anyway? Who are you? Another one of those Martians? No, Mr. Broderick. I happen to be a Venusian. What? A representative of the planet Venus. Venus? That's impossible. Not at all. The Martians are really an inferior race. We Venusians are much farther advanced. As much as we are over you, Mr. Broderick, the Martians would simply have conquered and enslaved your people. We Venusians felt compelled to exterminate you completely. That's impossible. Oh, no. Now that we have disposed of the Martian threat, what is there to stop us? Our invasion begins tomorrow at noon. By nightfall, the Earth will be ours. Brother in heaven. Either I'm completely cuckoo or... Oh. Oh, well, this is really on the level. You needn't edge toward the door, Mr. Broderick. You're thinking of running for help, aren't you now? I can read your thoughts quite clearly. Suppose you're going to knock me off like our Martian friends. On the contrary. Go ahead. Leave? Why not? Why don't you try it, Mr. Broderick? Because the minute I turn my back, you're going to let me have it. Suppose you try it and see. I'm no interested in stuff. Go ahead. All right, Buster, you ask for it. It will do you no good. No good! You will see! Here, here, where do you think you're on the car? The officer, officer, listen to me. Oh, it's you, the one with the mask. Yeah, that's right. Now, listen, that story is true. They're inside that house, inside number 108. He killed them. Who killed them? Raffius. He's the leader of the Venusian invasion. Venusian invasion? That's right. Tomorrow at noon, they're going to take over the Earth. Now, listen, go in that house. Martians, now Venusians, eh? Okay, that's enough for me. Come along. Good, good. We haven't got much time. Hey, wait. Where are you taking me? Bellevue Psychiatric Ward, my friend. Come Bellevue, on. Bellevue, no! No, come on. No, why don't you listen to me? Why are you such a fool? Let go of me. Here, Looney is a bed bug. Come on. No! I tell you, there's going to be an invasion. The Venusians are going to invade us. Don't you understand? you got to believe me. you got to believe oh, me. Oh, sure, I believe. I believe. <laughs> oh, why don't they listen You have just heard another adventure into the unknown world of the future. The world of... Dimension... Of Riesling, the strange blind singer of the spaceways. 
He traveled the space lines from Mars to Venus to the moons of Jupiter. No captain could refuse to carry Riesling and his battered guitar. He sang of all the wonders of the galaxy. But his greatest song was of the sight he would never see. The green hills of Earth. Tonight, Dimension X has presented The Embassy. A story by Donald A. Walheim, as adapted for radio by George Leppard. Joseph Julian was heard as Broderick. Barry Kroger as Graphius. Your narrator was Norman Rose. Music by Albert Berman, engineer Don Habit. Dimension X is produced by Van Woodward and directed by Edward King. Stay tuned for The Bob Hope Show with special guest Judy Garland. Time now for The Bob Hope Show with special guest Judy Garland. Well, that's a name that's certainly at the entertainment pages lately. What with Renee Zellweger getting reviews, rave reviews, that is, for her portrayal of this legend of the entertainment world. Judy Garland, well, during a career that spanned 45 years, she attained international stardom as an actress in both musical and dramatic roles, as a recording artist and on the concert stage. Although she appeared in more than two dozen films with MGM and received acclaim for many different roles, she's widely remembered for her portrayal of Dorothy Gale in The Wizard of Oz. Her lifelong addiction to drugs including alcohol, ultimately led to her death in London from an accidental barbiturate overdose at the age of 47. And now, The Bob Hope Show. Ah, thank you so much. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Pepsodent Kid, Bob Hope. Still eating three meals a day with your teeth. <laughs> I'm a little tired tonight. I just got back from the Santa Anita handicap. I would have been here sooner, but I stopped to have my barrel pressed. <laughs> Santa Anita, that's the outdoor version of you can't take it with you. <laughs> but really, it's beautiful out there, folks. The grass on the infield is gorgeous. After the fourth race, I had some of it for lunch. <laughs> and they've enlarged Santa Anita this year, and I want to tell you, the whole place is run just like a machine. A vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I've never seen so many people in one place. The crowds were so heavy, the pickpockets had to put on extra help. In fact, they were so busy, they wouldn't pick the pocket of a tweed suit. The fuzz slowed them up too much. <laughs> One pickpocket lifted my wallet and the list of the horses I was going to bet on. He took one look at the list, handed me back my wallet, and gave me an extra dollar for car fare. <laughs> and you should have seen the automobiles out there. I've never seen so many cars. It looked like the backyard of the finance company. I hear Morgenthau wants to trade his job for the parking concession. <laughs> I came late and had to park at the end of the parking lot. In fact, uh, when I got out of my car, I found out I had paid a quarter to park in my own driveway. <laughs> they say it's hard to get back to town in traffic, but I fooled them. I left before the first race. I... No, I wish I had. Skinny gave me a tip on the handicap. He said the horse can't lose. The jockey's been eating garlic, and the horse will win trying to get away. <laughs> first time I ever saw a jockey ride a horse backwards. 
I said, what's the idea of riding a horse backwards? He said, I have to. It makes the horse nervous to have anyone look over his shoulder. <laughs> nice horse. Every once in a while, he'd look around to see if his plow was on straight. <laughs> he was so far behind, his tail showed in the photo finish. <laughs> Really, the jockey pulled him up so much, it's the first time I ever saw a horse finish with a bit under his tail. <laughs> I should have known better when I saw the jockey carrying an overnight bag. And now, and now, Bill Goodwin. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, our guest is that grand little star from MGM, Miss Judy Garland. And now, Skinny Ennis and our sixth hits of the Miss Swing Out with Could Be. Take it, talent. <laughs> Could be that yellow moon It's just a big balloon And not that yellow moon at all Could be that angel face It's something out of space And not that angel face I love Could be this heart of mine It's just a valentine And not this heart of mine at all could be a dream I see, but if you're asking me, could be I'm in love, could be. Derby last Saturday. Bill, that's yeah. Derby. The English say Derby and the Americans say Derby. Yeah, and the losers say nuts. Yeah. <laughs> say, I, Bob, I hear the owners of the horses out at Santa Anita sit in boxes that have their names on them. That's right, Bill. There's the Whitney box, the Vanderbilt box, Bradley, Astor. Yeah, well, what was the name of the box you were sitting in, Bob? A sun kiss. Uh... <laughs> Say, how did you like that suit I had on? Suit? Where did you get that thing? It looked like it was cut down from a shroud. <laughs> Is that so? I'll have you know I was the best-dressed man at Santa Anita. I was a regular Bo Brummel. Hello, Bo. What do you hear from the other Brummel? <laughs> well, Patsy Kelly. Well... Say, Patsy, I saw you out of Santa Anita Saturday. Santa Anita? Slot machines with horses. <laughs> Why, Patsy, it's a privilege to go to a beautiful track like Santa Anita. 
Why, do you know what the name Santa Anita means? Oh, yes, I know. It's Spanish for hello, sucker. <laughs> Say, weren't you out there with Skinny and his brother? Yeah, the three of us hitchhiked out there. Didn't you, really? Didn't your thumbs get awfully tired? Oh, no, we didn't have to use our thumbs. We just waved Skinny's brother. <laughs> well, tell me, is his brother that thin? Thin? Why, that guy has to wear snowshoes when he takes a bath so he won't slide down the drain. <laughs> Now, wait a minute, Patsy. Skinny's brother isn't that skinny. Oh, no, listen. That guy is so thin, he just got himself a daytime job stuffing olives. Stuffing olives? Yeah, he crawls through the olives, dragging the pimento behind him. Hi, everybody. Well, hiya, Skinny. Well, if it isn't Tremble Tonsil. Uh, hello, Patsy. Hello, Bated Breath. Say, why don't you inhale once and see how it feels to rough it? Uh, see here, Kelly You can't talk to me like that Don't forget I'm a man, incidentally Incidentally? You mean accidentally Listen, Kelly Before you say another word Just take a look at those bulging muscles Muscles? Where? I don't see any muscles Doggone it I forgot to put them on tonight <laughs> Say, Patsy I, I heard that your family Was out here for the big race Yeah, they just got here From back east Back east, huh? How are things in Pomona? Say yeah. I... I suppose they've been out to the studio to watch you make pictures. Yeah, they came out on the set and watched me um, work on my last picture. Say, I saw that picture, Patsy. Say, what were those swallows doing flying across the screen? Those weren't swallows. My father was sitting on one side of the set and the cuspidor was on the other. <laughs> Say, well, what does your family think of our radio program? Well, I'll give you an idea. I just got a letter from my uncle back in Brooklyn. Really? What does he say? Oh, well, here it is. Dear Patsy... The Pepsodent Show is much improved. You're much better than you were. Skinny Ennis is much better, and Jerry Colonna is much improved. Well, doesn't he say anything about me? Oh, yes, here. P.S. Hope you are the same. <laughs> so long. Say, Bob. Yeah, yeah, Bill. How, how long was that big race last Saturday? Well, it was a mile and a quarter, Bill. Well, just what does that mean, Bob? Well, it means it was the horse's last mile and my last quarter. <laughs> Well, now, don't be discouraged, Bob. You know our motto, never say die. Never say die. Yeah. It opens at the Paramount Theater in New York tomorrow. I'll just plug up. <laughs> well, <right. laughs> well, listen, if, die, you, yeah. uh, if you ever get another quarter, I know lots of things to do with it. What, for instance, Phil? Well, for instance, Bob, for a quarter, you can get a tube of Pepsodent toothpaste. And that's the only toothpaste that contains irium. You know, irium is the lively agent that sparks up Pepsodent's cleansing power. Gently, safely, but ever so quickly... Irium helps Pepsodent remove dingy surface stains from your teeth. Persuades your teeth to shine with natural brilliance. Brushing twice a day with Pepsodent plus Irium is like spring cleaning your mouth. It gives you cleaner, brighter, smoother teeth and keeps them at high shining luster. The surefire recipe for a million-dollar smile is dazzling teeth. So why not invest a quarter now for a tube of Pepsodent toothpaste with Irium? <laughs> And now may I present one of the most charming and talented members of Hollywood's younger generation, soon to be seen in The Wizard of Oz, MGM singing sensation Miss Judy Garland. Mr. Hope, I hope, I hope that you will not be cross. I hope that you won't think that I'm a boy. 
But when I heard you sing that lovely song to Shirley Ross, I knew that Gable didn't matter anymore. It had to be you. this way about me. Well, Mr. Hope, I I used to like Clark Gable and Robert Taylor, but but you're different. I know it, Judy. I've been told that before. <laughs> Gee, I I've seen all your pictures and I listen to you every time you're on the air, no matter what the rest of the family wants to hear. Well, I hardly know what to say. Imagine meeting my fan face to face. But Mr. Hope, it's it's not that. It's it's deeper than that. You see. Well, you're my crush. You're my dream man. You're my Prince Charming. Now, wait a minute, Snow White. (laughs) Let's not have a scene. After all, I may be just a passing fancy in your life. Oh, no, Mr. Hope. This is a real thing. It's lasted almost two whole days. (laughs) Gosh, in Hollywood, too. (laughs) Oh, you men are all alike. Always joking. Why, I don't think you even know what it means to have a crush on somebody. Oh, don't I? How do you think I felt last week when they told me Hedy Lamar to elope with someone else? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I suppose you feel you just ought to go out and jump off a cliff and end it all. Well, I want to have a long talk with Madeline Carroll first. <laughs> oh, well, ne- never mind them, Mr. Hope. I'm not like other girls. I'm willing to take you just as you are. Isn't that just too wonderful? <laughs> <laughs> But, Judy, look, I'm flattered. I'm glad that you told me only... Only what? Well, do you think I'm your type? Oh, Mr. Hope, I know I'm not worthy of you. But you don't have to love me right away. But, Judy, I mean, after all, I'm not exactly... Oh, I might have known it. Are you somebody else's crush? Well, not exactly, but, well, there there are some strings attached. Oh. (laughs) Then you are someone else's crush. Well, I was, but she married me. Gee, that's awful. But I can go right on having a crush on you, can't I? From a distance, I mean. Judy, with so many other handsome men in Hollywood, why did you have to pick on me? (laughs) Well, you see, Mr. Hope, it was like this. First, I picked out Clark Gable to have a crush on. But I had too much competition. He didn't appreciate me. Oh, well, what could you expect from that tap dancer? crush on Robert Taylor, but I guess I had too much competition there, too. And after Robert Taylor, all I was left was a choice between you and Tyrone Power. Tyrone Power. Beauty versus beast. And I picked you. I guess I was tired of competition. Yeah. I guess so. 
Oh, Mr. Hope, you're wonderful. Say you'll be the man of my dreams. But, Judy, really, I'm not the kind of man for you. I'm not good enough for you. Well, I pull little dogs' tails, and I take candy away from babies. And once I gave a canary a hot foot. (laughs) You're so brave and masterful. Well, maybe I am on the surface, but underneath I'm a no-good guy, Judy. Take my word for it. Hope is a louse. (laughs) But you're a good louse. Yeah. No, Judy, it's no use. We couldn't get along together. Then you're... you're turning me down? Don't take it so hard, Judy. None of the others did. (laughs) All right. You don't have to tell me. I know. It's the old, old story. It's the woman who pays. I'm sorry I bothered you. Now I know how Greta Garbo felt when Robert Taylor left her in Camille. But don't worry about me, Mr. Hope. I'll recover. Time is a great healer. But I won't forget. I never will. Judy, can a cad say a few words in his own defense before you go? Tell me, why don't you have a crush on someone near your own age? Well, most of the boys I know think I'm only an in-between. You know, not old enough to be a glamour girl and too old to go around with dolls. (laughs) Well, I hope I'm never too old to go around with dolls. But you know... (laughs) You know, Judy, I've been having the same trouble you've had. Tell me, do you think I'm old enough for Carol Lombard? Well, of course. Mm, I guess she has some other reason. Well, so long, Mr. Hope. I've got to go now. Judy, you can't get away without giving us one of those garland specials. Well, all right. Would you like to hear Franklin D. Roosevelt Jones? Would I? Let's have it. Hey, Rufus Rastus Brown, spread the news around, all around the town. About this celebration One thing that concerns the nation Glory, hallelujah Get Rosanna running through ya I am here to say It's a big holiday everywhere For the Jones family Has a brand new heir He's the joy heaven sent And we proudly present Mr. Franklin D. Roosevelt he walks down, you never will meet With a name like the name that he got today When he walks down the street Folks will say, please to meet Mr. Franklin D. Roosevelt Jones What a smile and how he shows it He'll be happy all day long What a name, I'll bet he knows it He'll be famous, as famous as he can be. How can he be a dud or a stick in the mud when he's Franklin D. Roosevelt Jones? Go to sleep, my baby. 
You'll be a Democrat by and by. Oh, you're a lucky baby with Franklin D for your name. Mrs. Jones's baby boy is a welcome resident. Give him a pigeon rod for a toy. He's the future president. Hooray for you, Franklin D. Judy Garland, that really was great. And now, here's a word from Bill Goodwin, who has a crush on Irium. Thank you, Bob. Nearly all toothpaste comes in a tube, keeps fresh, and is pleasant enough to taste. You can expect this from any toothpaste. But Pepsodent toothpaste has all of this, plus an important something the others haven't got. The extra something is Irium. That's the lively super addition that steps up Pepsodent's action, brightens the results. Irium helps Pepsodent remove the unattractive surface stains that cloud over your smile. It brings out the natural luster. At least twice a day, night and morning, every day of your life, brush your teeth with Pepsodent toothpaste with Irium, and you'll quickly be rewarded. It won't be long before you'll say, I never dreamed my teeth could sparkle so. I never knew my mouth could feel so fresh, so clean. It certainly feels grand to have well-groomed teeth. And now Bob Hope brings you his version of that popular new song hit, I Have Eyes. Bob, Bob, shh. Yes, Bill, Bob. Listen, I have a swell idea how we can both make money. No, Bill, this year I want to pay my income tax. <laughs> no, that, that isn't what I mean. I think we ought to become spies. Important spies. Don't be silly, Bill. There's no money in spying. Oh, no? Did you ever see a house detective on relief? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess spying is a good racket if you don't lose your head. You can be famous, Bob. <laughs> really, you can be famous. Think of the great spies in history. Think of Matta Harry. Ah, oh, yes. Matta Harry. And think of Nathan Hale and Jonathan Daly and Benedict Arnold. I can't, Bill. Why not? I'm still thinking of Matta Harry. <laughs> But really, Bill, I couldn't be a spy. I don't know how to act. Bob, let's leave your picture work out of this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bill, I'll go into the spy racket with you, but I'll have to get a spy suit. A spy suit? What's that? Oh, it's nothing. You just go out with a bloodhound and a black coat and vest. And what pants? The bloodhound. <laughs> well, come on, Bob. Let's get busy. Okay. The Hope and Goodwin Spy Salon, a snitch in time, pays the rent. What's that? Are Hope and Goodwin very good at shadowing people in dark alleys? Well, I should say so. They're real slinkers. No, I said slinkers. <laughs> okay, uh, just a minute. It's for you, Cheese. Cheese, Patsy, that's Chief. Take the script and read it. That's Cheese. Take the script and smell it. <laughs>
<laughs> That's cheese. I'll take the script and eat it. Hello? Uh, this is spy number 1X reporting from Africa, Chief. Greetings, spy 1X. Where's spy 2X? Isn't he with you? No, Chief. The cannibals had 2X for breakfast. <laughs> Come in. Hello. Hello. Hey, Bill. Look, she's beautiful. What grace? Yeah, what form? What telephone number? <laughs> Hello. Hello. My name is Vanya Tanya Sonia Henya Notgranovich Babuchka. Oh, but you can call me Tutsky. Well, what do you want with me? Oh, I need help. If you do not help me, I shall have to kill you. Kill me? <laughs> kill me? <laughs> Yes, I will shoot you or stab you or poison you or take you in my arms and squeeze you to death, smothering you with kisses. How would you like that? I'd like that. <laughs> Say, uh, where do you come from, Tootsie Wetskin? I come from the little country of Schlemilia. <laughs> Schlemilia! What a small world this is. Ah, uh, yes. I shall never forget my last day in Schlemilia. Bombs bursting. People were dropping like flies. The streets were covered with blood. Oh, it was so beautiful. I can see. Look, Trutsky, what can I do for you? You must save me from my cousin, the ambassador from Schlemilia. Rat-faced or repulsive. Well, what happens if I find him? Undoubtedly, he will kill you. And what happens if I don't find him? Undoubtedly, I will kill you. <laughs> What's in it for me? <laughs> Either way, you'll be buried with full military honors. Until then, I say, hello. <laughs> Come on, Patsy, we've got to go to the Sumerian embassy. Right. Hello? Oh, it's for you, Chief. For me? Hello. Mr. Hope. Yes? Say, listen, you'll never catch me, you old spidery spy, because you're just a ham, and hams can't fly. <laughs> I asked myself this as I slid on my way. Is Hope a big dope? Oh, boy, I'll say. <laughs> say, who is this? Oh, just a great big stork. <laughs> a stork? What are you doing here with me? Just looking over one of my mistakes. <laughs> Come on, Patsy. Let's go to the embassy and meet Blackface the Repulsive. Here we are. This looks like the embassy. Yeah, look at that sign. Embassy of Shamilia. Office hours, 12.30 to 1. Treaties broken Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Goodman, you stay outside, and if we have any trouble with rat face, blow up the embassy. Right, Chief. Are you armed? And how? I'm armed to the teeth. Hey, you better not yawn or that club will fall out. <laughs> Ring the bell, Patsy. Hello? Trutsky. Hopsky. Runsky. <laughs> no, Patsy, don't run. I'm right behind you. Where's Ratface, Trutsky? Here comes Ratface now! <laughs> Greetings, Rat. Meet a diplomat. <laughs> Why, it's Professor Colonna with a Bay Rum Aroma. Tell me, are you the ambassador? Ah, yes, and I'm the president, secretary of war, navy, state, interior, exterior. In fact, I'm the whole Schlemiel. <laughs> I can believe that. And who is the little Wren with you? <laughs> this, this is Matta Kelly, the international spy. She loves you, Professor. Ah, my little Matta. You've made me so much flatter, and all my cares will scatter because your heart belongs to data. <laughs> Professor, tell me, were you ever caught as an ambassador without portfolio? Ah, yes. Briefcase, wasn't it? <laughs> what has been your worst experience, Professor? Once, for no reason, I was held for treason and placed against the wall to be shot. <laughs> 
Did they shoot you? I don't know, Nave. I was blindfolded. <laughs> Will you pardon me? I feel a bomb coming on. Ambassador, you've blown up the whole block. Why did you throw that bomb into the street? I love parking space. <laughs> well, Professor, your goose is cooked. Why so, Nave? I can prove that you're a traitor and have been carrying on with the enemy spies, Sonia the snitch. What proof have you? I was in a closet and took a picture of you kissing Sonia. Here, look at the picture. What do you think of that? Mmm, not bad. I'll take a half a dozen. <laughs> come on, come on, Hope. Let's get out of this place. This guy's a screwball. Yes, isn't he? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> I did. And I apologize. Colonna, I am sorry I insulted you. Silence. I refuse to accept your apology. I am the screwball. Colonna, you are not. I am. All right, you are. Oh, so you admit it. Take that. That's one tooth gone. And that. And that. Help! I'm shooting off my mouth. <laughs> Come on, Kathy. It's nearly midnight. Goodwin should be getting ready to light the fuse. Oh. Hey, look, look. The radio station blew up. Well, I... I carried out your instructions, Bob. But I told you to blow up the embassy. Embassy? Great Scott, I thought you said NBC. <laughs> Thanks for the memory If one more friend we've made With our small cavalcade It's evident that Pepsodent Will keep us on parade So thank you so much Good night, ladies and gentlemen Thank you for listening I hope you'll be along next week As I uncover more gems From the golden age of radio Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.